When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Well, we're moving on now. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Dolphins Brawl. I am your host, Louis Sung, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Chad Ronenbaum, sporting a different shirt, uh, not shirt, a different hat this time around. He's like, how many how many hats do you have, Chad? We're going to see a lot more on the show. Several, yeah. Several. I'll, keep, I'll, keep, I'll try to rotate one every week for you. <laughs> All right. We're going to have to start like making it. Legal. Oh, we'll put up a poll. Which hat is the best for Chad? All right. All and right. Hat bowl. Hat bowl. Yeah, perfect. And uh, joining us for the second week in a row and uh, joining us for, like, the last of his remaining Bachelor days is our good friend Ron Cannon from the last <laughs> show. I, you all enjoyed him? Yeah, round of applause for Ron. All righty. Yes. So, folks, really liked you the last show. We're glad to have you back, brother, and uh, we got a lot more to discuss. All righty? Awesome. More moronic, horrible hot takes coming your way. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, uh, like, we're we all have our little moments here. I don't know how many people I said, like, oh, I don't think uh, Joe Burrow's very, uh, he's very smug. I'm sure that I made some people upset when I said that, just because that's always what happens. I had somebody, a friend of mine, Big Dolphins fan, telling me that same exact thing today. I was like, you you and Lewis, you guys, with a <laughs> smoking cigar, and now you're an, you're an ass, apparently. Oh, sorry, I can't curse. Like, that's not that bad. <laughs> uh, no, nah, this isn't this isn't Finn Maniacs. This is a completely different broadcast. If you want to, uh, okay. well, just don't drop f bomb. Let's try to avoid the f. Okay. Okay. We'll jo- avoid the f. All right. Well, we used to have to curse a lot with the Dolphins, but I feel even though we were five and eleven, I felt a lot, you know, a lot less urge to curse a lot this season. Well, what, well the last year of gays, we were what six and ten, and it was the most painful six and ten we ever fought, used. Yeah, there's a lot of cursing going on this yeah. season. Yeah, that's for sure. Yeah, it was a very painful year for everybody, including our friend Ryan Tannehill, who I will just go ahead and bring it up real quick before we really get into the meat of the show. He couldn't keep up with Patrick Mahomes, man. Just couldn't do it. Not this time. I mean, he did pretty good during the season, but obviously Mahomes and that team got hot. So, I mean, they've been hot the last few weeks, so it just, uh, you know, I don't think San Fran's stopping them either, honestly. I think they're taking it all the way. They're Really hot right now. So what is it the first the first time in the last fifty years they've made it? Wasn't yep, that the that first right. ever Super Bowl? Them and the it Packers. Chase mm. Packers was the first Super Bowl. Yes. Too bad Aaron Rodgers didn't make it. I, you know, I joked about this, but it's like, can you imagine the killing that State Farm would have made if it had been him and Mahomes uh, in the Super sure Bowl, the State, the State Farm Bowl? Yes, uh, yeah. definitely. Hey, even with Mahomes in it, though, you know. The Super Bowl sponsored by State Farm. Mahomes boy. Patrick Mahomes. Mahomes, Mahomes and Mahomes and Otto. What? What is it? How's the commercial Mahomes go? And Otto. Mahomes it's and Otto. Word, it's Wordcraft. Hit that. No. no. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We're being. Okay. Let's talk about some golf here. Enough Mahomes. Enough Tannehill. Well, Tannehill was a doll. Hey, okay. hey, wait a minute. Yeah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on a second. Hey, Chad, uh, pull that up thing real quick that you showed us right before the show. What's that? The, the card? Yeah. 
So if uh, anybody's right looking there. to, if anybody's looking to make a good for collectible, sale. right there, man. A signed Ryan Tannehill rookie card right there one for you right now. One of one. One of one. Right here. One of one, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> there you go. Okay, wait, I got I got four. Wait, I got forty five over here. I got forty five over here. Do I hear fifty five? Do I hear fifty <laughs> <No. laughs> It's a live auction. Yeah, no, no, if we can under, if we can free. Ron, if we can understand you, you're not talking fast enough. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. I'm, I'm no auctioneer, I guess, or no micro machine man either yeah, for the, the really old people listening. <laughs> we have to like if, if it doesn't sound like gibberish, it's not fast enough. Yeah, like, see, now I know Chad knows when I say micro machine man who I'm talking about, and Lewis is like, I have no I, idea. I, I, I'm not gonna lie, I'm just you're like, about. huh? <laughs> there was these little cars that were really yeah. like. I guess this is just the early show banter before we talk about the actual stuff. Yeah. There was a little, like, little Hot Wheels. They were these little tiny toy cars. Oh, I remember. And the guy who advertised them on television. Wait a minute. No, no, no. no. Fast, no like they were little itty bitty cars like this? Yeah, I, they were micro, micro. I feel yeah. like I, I might have had some. I'm not you sure. You might have, but you probably were too young to, to know remember what they were. the commercial. They were probably eight years old by the time you got them. <laughs> I was more into stoppers. Into what? Stompers. They had little Stomp. foam wheels on them. Yeah. I don't remember those. Did they have a fun guy uh, talking fast too in their commercials? I, I don't remember the, the headquarters. Oh, well, then why'd you bring it up? No, this is display how old I am. Uh, so oh, if anybody you. knows what stoppers are. I remember playing my Light Bright. Oh, no, I remember Light Bright. That I remember yeah, for sure. I, I still see Light Bright. I saw Light Bright a couple of days ago at Walmart. Alrighty. I wanted to get one, and I was going to send it to you, Lewis. Oh, okay. Then that'd be that'd be awesome. That, that's the best Christmas present ever. A trip back to my early childhood. You just yeah, have I to make sure you have to give me the uh, the little uh, black uh, paint. By, uh, what is it? Light by light by numbers. No, so there you go. Yeah, we we can just cut corners. And have a Dolphins Brawl Techno Ball tournament. There you go. I'll, I'll take. Right, that, I like man. that better. <laughs> alrighty. So, alright, let's go ahead and talk some actual Dolphins football here. So. Last week, we wanted to get into some discussions that we didn't really get a chance to talk about, and we are going to get into that, but we also have some new stuff to talk about today. And uh, also, by the way, make sure you go check out on Fanatics, get yourself some good merchandise deals on there from the Bear, from the Bears Brawl and the Dolphins Brawl. All that good stuff is available for you, so go check it out whenever you get the chance. All right? All right. Good. All right. So, we're going to discuss some stuff about Jim Caldwell and the fact that it has now been confirmed that Caldwell will not be returning to the Miami Dolphins. He is currently look seeking other coaching opportunities elsewhere. Also, it is officially official that Chan Gailey is the offensive coordinator for the Miami Dolphins. So no more questioning if they're just like a placeholder or anything like that. Gailey is officially the coordinator. So that's been taken care of as well. And we are also going to discuss the increasingly loud rumors regarding the Miami Dolphins desperately trying to move up to number one overall so they can draft Joe Burrow. Uh, I have an opinion on that. Chad has an opinion on that. Ron apparently has a differing opinion on that, so that's going to be a fun discussion. And I figured that we've already held up long enough, so let's go ahead and just get right into it. So the Miami Dolphins, yes, uh, pro football talk, uh, Mike Florio went ahead and reported that, yes, the Dolphins really want to move up to get uh, Joe Burrow. Other uh, markets have jumped on that as well, including uh, NFL Draft Diamonds. I think that's where I first saw it, and then it kind of like spiraled out of control from there. I personally don't believe it, just because they would probably like want the King's Ransom that we got from the Texans right back. So I'm not really up for that, but uh, I'm going to go ahead and start with you, Chad. What are your thoughts on the whole moving up to number one overall to get Joe Burrow? 
That's my class. <laughs> uh, that was awesome. Uh, for those of you who are only listening, he held up a sign saying Bull S. Bull uh, S. Whether or not the Dolphins want Burrow is, is in constant question to me. Look, the season's not over yet, for one. And so you have that going on. And there's been no combine yet, no pro days, um, no interviews. So I, I think the chances that the Dolphins are offering picks right now for Joe to move up to number one, assumingly to select Joe Burrow, I think is very unlikely. I don't see them offering a trade in January to, to try to move up to draft Joe Burrow. Um, if that's going to happen, it's not going to happen until like a week before the draft. Before, and, and this is, you can go back in history, trade talks for the number one overall pick don't get too intense until the week before the draft. Um, otherwise, it's just a lot of people blowing smoke. Um, what my opinion is, is the Bengals really want to trade out of this pick. Um, not that Joe Burrow's not a great prospect, but look, the Bengals won a game, and they're in a division right now that has a team like the Ravens in it. You're going to have Ben Roethlisberger back with the Steelers. And, you know, let's face it, the Browns have a new coach. Yeah, they had a disappointing year, but there's still a lot of talent on that Browns team. So if you're the Cincinnati Bengals, do you really think you're going to use that number one overall pick bring in a rookie quarterback and have any chance of even being competitive in that division. Um, you have a coach who's coming off a very disappointing season and this is his second year now. And so I don't think that head coach wants to go another season of a one or two win season. And that's, that's exactly what you're looking at. If you think you're going to take Joe Burrow and expect him to start on opening day and not struggle like any other rookie struggles with that kind of cast around him, the Bengals just have a lot of needs. And so what I think is going on right now is the Bengals realize that this is our chance to parlay this pick because Joe Burrow is in this draft. Always, There's always a team looking to get the next great quarterback. And Joe Burrow had a fantastic season this year in college. So that makes that pick a little more valuable probably for the Bengals. And so they're shopping it. And, and absolutely, they're hoping to get a bounty for that pick because they need a lot of draft picks. And, and you're also looking at an owner who historically doesn't like to spend a lot of money in free agency. And so the best way for that team to get better and get competitive is a lot of draft picks. So I right now, my early prediction is the Bengals are going to trade out of that pick um, with whatever they could, whatever is the most capital they can get out of it. And Mr. Caniff, your rebuttal. Well, I don't necessarily have a rebuttal for everything Chad just said. I'm going to say everything Chad just said is very true. In fact, I would be even willing to bet that perhaps it was the Cincinnati Bengals taking advantage of the most, I don't know, quarterback needy or the team that I think everybody thinks wants a quarterback more than anybody in the Miami Dolphins and probably even started this rumor. Um, I don't think any team is ready to trade up for any player right now because, like Chad said, that we haven't even begun hardly the process Yes, they've gone and they've watched tape and they've seen some games and that's where it's ended. They haven't done interviews. Um, <clears throat> they haven't gone and interviewed other coaches to see, you know, what's going on with this kid. You know, high school coaches, Ohio State, LSU, and, and just get all the information they could. Almost like, you know, you're doing a background check on the guy, really. It's not unlike a background check. What I will say is this. and this is- With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. 
This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This is where I think me and Chad disagreed a little bit, so I want to dig into this more. Um, I'm going to take Burrow and Tua together and pretend. I'm going to kind of take Herbert out of the way now. I know that Chad's a little bigger on Herbert than I am. He could kind of see Herbert, Tua, or Burrow. I'll take either three. I'm not that guy. So let's say say Miami is just, we like Herbert. I mean, not Herbert. We like Tua. We like Burrow. Let's say they really like both these guys. Um, Very much so. I I truly believe, and I I was kind of hinting at it or stating it somewhat last week, and I'm just going to state it more emphatically this week. If Miami really likes... One of these guys, if they do, they're going to move up to one or two. That is just my prediction. I I wouldn't have faith that Miami would like one of these guys, especially two of that much. If they like him that much, are they really willing to sit there at five? Is Ross going to let them sit there at five and miss out on these guys? I don't think they're going to take that chance. So these rumors about Burrow, I'm going to say, oh, that's bogus right now. Will Miami look to move up if they really, truly like somebody? I think absolutely, positively, they will. They'll feel like they have no choice. Ross isn't going to let them miss out again. And how how much could they love Tua if they just waited at five and took the chance that somebody else wouldn't go above them and get them when everyone in the world knows Miami's drafting a quarterback? Everybody knows it. It's not a secret. Miami hasn't made it a secret. Steven Ross certainly hasn't made it a secret over the last year. So I just kind of wanted to connect those two together. No, we're not offering any picks right now to anybody for anybody, period, in a story. However, I do believe Miami is going to have to move up if they like these guys. Now, however, if they're not in love with these guys, different story, different story. But you got to wonder how much do they love a guy if they're willing to just sit there at five and take the chance of somebody leaping ahead of them thinking, no, nobody's going to leap ahead of us. It's not going to happen. People leap up ahead to draft quarterbacks all the time, like almost every draft. So um, that's just kind of my thought on the whole picture of moving up for a quarterback in general. No, we have not offered or are not offering currently any picks for Burrow, though. I think that's just probably a story made up by Cincinnati trying to get the word out there early. Hey, like Chad said, we might be willing to move out of this pick. It's maybe not a slam dunk that we're just going to sit at one and draft Burrow. And as usual, they're just using the Dolphins as leverage because that's uh, be exactly because we've seen that now for multiple years. Teams using Miami for whatever reason for leverage in free agency and in the draft. And it's worked to our advantage sometimes and works to our disadvantage other times. This might be a time where it works to our disadvantage because I believe Stephen Ross is such that, that powerful voice. He's not letting Greer do it again. He's not going to let him sit there and just draft some guy who's not a quarterback 
because he wanted to move down for Lamar Jackson. It didn't happen. You know, he gave Greer his one shot. That player isn't even on the team anymore. And Minka Fitzpatrick, he's not going to let him do it again. He, he's he's out of he's out of cards to play. He wants a quarterback. He wants a quarterback, and he better get one this year. And the only way to guarantee that is if you like two guys to be up at at number one or two. That's just my my thought on it. I know Chad feels completely opposite, and that's not necessary. Nor will they do that. So. You know, we shall see. Well, that's what's fun about the show. We get to disagree and have a conversation about it. Well, uh, I think with, to follow up with what my thoughts were last week that you're referring to, Ron, I do think there'll be a team that will move up to go after Burrow. But um, if you're doing that, you're trading with the Bengals. I, I believe that Joe Burrow is going to be the number one overall pick in the draft. I just don't think the Bengals are a team right now that are in position to pass up a lot of draft picks. I think they have so many needs. Um, to me, that's just a recipe for disaster for that team. It doesn't make sense for them to draft a rookie quarterback in that division with nothing around him. You're, you're looking at a two or three year plan. And I don't think the coach is going to feel like he has two or three years, uh, to try to put a team around Joe Burrow. All right. But um, by the so, same token, Chad, I'll go ahead and ask you this. Do you think that the Dolphins can afford to give up a whole lot of draft capital just so they can get no, their hands on I, this guy? I don't think that. It depends what what the asking price is, I guess. Miami going to be a king's ransom again, for a quarterback exactly. Well, like think Tunsil the and then some. Want reported right now to, to clarify, that's what the Bengals want the idea to be. The Bengals, I think you're right, are using the Dolphins in the sense that it wouldn't shock me if they had discussions. Like, hey, are you interested? Dolphins, like, yeah, we're interested. Okay, thanks. Now we're going to put a story out. Here's what our asking price is for Burrow, and the Dolphins are interested. Um, the reason that, that we're appealing is we have all the picks. And so the Dolphins could realistically say, we'll give you two number one picks because we have three this year to give. And so the Bengals want that idea of what it's going to cost them up to be really, really high because they want a team to give several picks uh, to come up and get Burrow. Um, if the Dolphins, here's what I think that's realistically, if it we're going to go down, I don't think that trade realistic whatsoever. But I could see, along Ron's point, if the Dolphins really want Burrow and they want to go up to number one overall, it would probably be something more along the lines of a number one and a number two. So you'd be giving up like our fifth and our 18th and a second to go up because the Bengals then are only falling down four spots. Um, I don't want to give up any first rounders, man. None. Well, I, I don't. I would, I would do that if you believe Joe Burrow is a franchise quarterback. If the Dolphins feel like Absolutely. this is the guy. That's cheap. If they're in love with a guy, that's my point. If they're in love, not not to interrupt you too much, Chad. If they're in love with a guy, go get that guy. I mean, you're right or you're wrong, but go get him. Don't just sit there hoping he falls to you. In this well, case, I'm more talking about Tua, but with, with like you said with Burrow, you got to go to number one. But if you're in love with him, you think he's a 15 year, you know, game changer, possible top five quarterback. Has you competitive every single year? You're in this discussion every single year. You can build around this guy and win a Super Bowl. What, are you just going to sit there at five? I mean, no, right, you're not right, going right, to right. do that. Um, but I look at it like for the Bengals, is is Andy Dalton their problem right now? Is that why they struggled to win games? And they actually played a lot better when he came back and played. Um, Joe Burrow has the potential to be good, but you really don't know. And, and that's the reality of any quarterback you draft. You don't know if Joe Burrow is going to be as good as Andy Dalton. You don't know if he's going to be a guy like that, you know, a 15th middle-of-the-range quarterback who's just efficient. Or is he going to light the league on fire? And the reality is, is Joe Burrow's 
uh, value and popularity to be the number all, all pick right now is tied to what he's done in one season at LSU. Now, granted, I don't want to take anything away from what he did. He had, I think it was like 60 touchdowns um, at LSU. It was on a beating. very, yeah. very good team. In comparison, I think Dwayne Haskins for the Reds, the Redskins quarterback this year had like 50 touchdowns on Ohio he State. He did. He had 50 touchdowns. And he was that a one-year starter as well that no one had heard of the year before. And it was a stacked Ohio State team. Now, I don't, again, I'm not taking anything away from Joe Burrow, but the one thing, and I actually mentioned this to Ron this week on Twitter, that I noticed watching the AFC Championship game was how incredibly talented Patrick Mahomes is. I, because I, I guess being an older guy, I watched Reno play and you, you got to see that, that special fast release, that special velocity on the football and the different throws that those kind of quarterbacks can make. And Patrick Mahomes was making throws that Ryan Tannehill simply could not make. And Ryan Tannehill's pretty good quarterback. Like if you're looking at arm strength and um, accuracy on his throws, um, Ryan Tannehill looked like a good quarterback, and Patrick Mahomes looked like an, an exceptional quarterback. And I'm starting to see this theme right now of quarterbacks that have exceptional talent, like Lamar Jackson. Is he going to be an exceptional pocket quarterback? Maybe not, but he may be the best running quarterback that's ever played. He's right up with the top two or three. Um, I look at Deshaun Watson and, and the hit he took in that to win that Buffalo game where two guys hit him at the same time. He stayed on his feet and makes the play. These are really, really talented quarterbacks. And so part of me starting to go back and forth is, do you are you trying to get the next Tom Brady? As I think, Ron, you've pointed out more than anybody, if you're trying to replicate what the Patriots did, it's, it's not going to happen. It's just it's too which, hard of a thing to replicate. Which I have to say, it's clear that the Dolphins, with the coaching moves, which I know we're going to talk a little bit more about coaching, but um, it's clear they decided they are not going in that direction. As they oh, pretty much I, eradicated everything but Flores when it came to that that New England footprint on the team. Yeah, they, they did. They basically said with, the, yeah. the the only report that it was is that they basically said that Chad O'Shea. His play call, they said that his, the players were not happy with his play calling. It's not that they didn't like him. They liked O'Shea the person, but O'Shea the coaching, uh, the play caller, that was the issue that they had with it. So, something yeah, to keep in a- mind. Yeah, a- absolutely. And so, when I look at Joe Burrow, I look at a quarterback who would be along the lines from a, not a talent standpoint. I, I'm, I'm setting aside how productive he was at LSU and looking at when you get to the combine and you're not looking at just simple college performance, you're looking at what kind of arm velocity does he have? How, how big of an arm does he have? How big of a threat is he to take off and run the football? And I see a guy who's probably going to be more comparable to what I was watching in that AFC Championship game to Ryan Tannehill. Joe Burrow could be a very good quarterback, but he's not near the running threat that a Lamar Jackson is, and he doesn't have near the rocket arm that a Patrick Mahomes has. And so I started to look at that, and I got to thinking, you know, if that's really what they want, if they want a, a really, really efficient pocket quarterback, you know, you, you've got that in Josh Rosen right now. If that's what you want, I, I mean, you've got a quarterback that does that. And well, <laughs> hey, to be clear, on, I'm not suggesting that they should just roll with Rosen. I'm no, what I, I am suggesting I see, is I see the point you're making. I'm just kidding with you. What are you getting with Joe Burrow against Josh Rosen? How much better do you really think Joe Burrow is than Josh Rosen? And how can you know that? based off just a college performance. And so to me right now, the only two quarterbacks I'm interested in right now are Tua and Love, just because they offer this, from a talent standpoint, some really, really incredible things. Like Love has an amazing arm. 
He's got some really good mobility. and He would be very interesting to put in a spread offense being coached by Chan Gailey. I really like Tua's release. I like his, the, how tight his... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Spirals are, I like these left handed. All those things make it a little more difficult to prepare for him. So I'm a little more interested in those guys. And to be honest, I'm not huge on Herbert, but I do think Herbert's bigger and he's got a bigger arm than Joe Burrow. Herbert and so of the stereotypical guy. A bigger arm. Yeah. Definitely. And so I start to look at that and it's, you see that it like, if you're wanting a special quarterback, like even a guy that maybe isn't recognized as like a top 10, but it's like a Roethlisberger. Roethlisberger has an absolute cannon for an arm. And that's one of the reasons he's so successful is, is his arm talent. And so, Again, I'm not meaning to rip on Joe Burrow. What I'm starting to point out a little bit is I just don't know if you want to give up the farm to move up to get him. Is, is he going to make your team that better? Is he going to make the Bengals that much better? And I'm kind of thinking the Bengals are in that same boat where they're like, I don't know if he's the guy to give up. all Because if they pass on a big trade, that's the same thing as, as trading up in a sense. Because if you could get a couple number one picks, if you're the Bengals, and you pass on that to pick Joe Burrow, sure, people aren't going to know it, but you better be pretty sure he's going to be a huge difference maker like some of these other quarterbacks were in the playoffs. And I just don't know if I'm seeing that just from a pure talent standpoint, if that makes sense. I think what you're – maybe let me see if I can paraphrase it a little bit because I don't know if it's so much the overall talent that it is you're mentioning. I think what you're referring to is the ability to improvise. The ability to make something happen when everything blows up and something has to positive has to happen anyway. Cause that's what Lamar Jackson does when he takes off and runs. It's usually because he can't throw it. He has to go do something else. If Patrick Mahomes, he, he escapes, he runs, he disappears from, uh, defender's sights and then he, like he's playing, it's like he's playing in his backyard. He just throws it and something miraculous happens every time. The same goes for, um, for basically Tua as well. Something goes wrong, Tua fixes it somehow, and he makes something happen, which is what you're looking for. What you're basically saying, I think, is that Joe Burrow doesn't have the ability to make something special happen when everything crashes and burns. In a sense, yeah. I, so I'm looking at two different types of quarterbacks in the league right now, and you've got the old quarterbacks that were Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Drew, Drew Brees. Brees. And these quarterbacks are exceptional at reading defenses. The moment the ball snap, they know where they're going with the football. And they've been playing literally for decades, practically. But that still requires um, the teammates to actually do their jobs. Because if the wide receiver misses a route or right. if they get knocked down, then they're stuck. And, and you can win with quarterbacks like that. But the other aspect of it is, 
it's it's highly unlikely and uncommon that you can bring a quarterback in out of college with the, the jump they have to make and the talent and the speed and the strength that they're going against. It takes a while to develop them. Like Ryan Tannehill in 2012 and 13 is nowhere near what Ryan Tannehill is today. Um, it took him years to just get where he's at. Like he's in his seventh or eighth year right but now. You what know you're what watching. He was more willing to run back then. I almost feel like, again, this is where bad coaching comes in. Tannehill ran a lot when he was early on now. And so then he kind of fell off and stopped because they told him, well, don't run. You can't, but you, you don't stay healthy very long if you run all the time. That's true. And, but that's, but that was a big so, part of his game. They literally told him, don't use that part of your game. Right. Which I understand, but the change now in the NFL more so than ever is you have a very, very short window to win. Or you're you're gone. You're a coach. You're an assistant. Really, even a player. Practically, if you don't win early and often, you're gone. And so the newer quarterbacks. Like I was kind of pointing out, you have all these older quarterbacks who have had years and years of experience right now, and those are your efficient type quarterbacks, if you will. Um, and then you have your quarterbacks that don't have that experience, and they're ridiculously talented. And their talent kind of allows you to overcome some of their deficiencies and sitting in the pocket. Uh, you, you look at a quarterback like Deshaun Watson or Lamar Jackson or Patrick Mahomes, to me, physically, they are some of the most gifted quarterbacks in the league from what they can do, whether it's running the ball or the kind of throws they can make. It's not a lot different than a pitcher in baseball, in, in my mind, when you're talking about NFL football. If you're going to throw a 15-yard out, let's say you're going to throw that route, you, know, you have a pitchers in a baseball that can throw you know, in the mid-90s to, to close to 100 they're a lot harder to hit than a pitcher who's going to throw in the mid-80s. Um, and it's the same concept on defense. If you have a quarterback that just has an average arm, that quarterback has that less amount of time to get the ball out on time outside of the perimeter before it's going to get intercepted because they simply do not have the velocity to make those throws out there. Now, guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees, who may not have that kind of velocity on their balls anymore, they make up for it because they are so good at reading defenses. In particular, once the ball is snapped and what they've seen pre-snap and post-snap, they've already processed where they're going with the football very quickly. And that takes a long time to develop, in my opinion. And if you look in history of quarterbacks that have been successful early on, almost always those quarterbacks are on very strong football teams. You can point to Ben Roethlisberger. He was on a very good Steelers team. You can point to Marino. Marino had like three pro bowlers on his offensive line when he started as, as a rookie, and he had a really good defense that had just been to the Super Bowl. You're surrounding that quarterback with some really good talent. If you come in with a, a team that doesn't have a lot of good talent around that quarterback and they're young and he's going to be a pocket passer – I'm starting to think the NFL is kind of proven that's a, that's a recipe for failure. And so when I look at Burrow, I look at a guy that, yeah, he's a he's a good athlete, but this isn't a guy who's going to be outrunning NFL linebackers and, and juking NFL safeties. Not the kind of stuff you see Lamar Jackson or Deshaun Watson doing. I don't think he has the ability to run like they do, or even a Russell Wilson. And so he, you're, you're drafting Joe Burrow to come in and be a guy very similar to what you've had in Ryan Tannehill. You're, you're hoping he can develop into an efficient pocket quarterback, um, who can read defenses and make, make the throws post snap and process the game speed really fast. I just don't know that that's the where, where the, where to go right now after getting a young quarterback because who, I, you guys have something that comes to mind. Who are the young quarterbacks right now that are, 
having success that are efficient pocket quarterbacks versus quarterbacks that have some really intangible talent outside of what they just do in the pocket. Young guys, I can't think of any right off the top of my head. Josh Allen. No, I'm just kidding. No, he's a oh, yeah, he's a runner. Yeah, he's the complete opposite of what what he's talking. You know, about. I I would say right now, Josh Allen's a far superior athlete to Joe Burrow. Maybe yep. I'll get heat over that. But oh, look, that absolutely. guy's big. Absolutely. And yeah, and he's yeah, got he's, a he's he has a rocket arm. Josh, Josh Allen is the best. Josh Allen is at his best when he's taken off and running. Don't even ask him to throw half the time. Right, but I would if you lined up and and started going distance out, like who who has the most velocity on their fifteen yard out, their twenty yard out? Josh Allen. And you, Josh Allen, to say um, uh, who's the Jets quarterback? Sam, Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold. Yeah. I would say Josh Allen has a superior arm to Sam Darnold, and Sam Darnold's your example of a quarterback who's not you know a super athlete on the on his feet running. He's not a got a rocket arm. Um, but he's a smart, efficient quarterback who can make all the throws. But what's he doing right now? I mean, he's he's struggling. He's he, is he any better than half the other quarterbacks in the league right now? Well, let's he, be fair. His coach better? is Adam Gase. Well, I'm using him as example though as a young yeah. guy. Baker Mayfield had a, had a really rough year, and here's another guy that not incredibly mobile doesn't have an incredible rocket arm. He's much 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 more of the intangible guy. At, um, ad libbing on the go and some of the stuff he did in college, but um, I just don't know that that's where you can go in the NFL right now if you're a head coach because you don't have more than three or four years and you need to be winning. I, I like to use Freddie Kitchens. You can use him as a bad example and say he's a bad coach, but he he had one year. He's gone. Like he couldn't win with Baker Mayfield in one year, and, and Baker Mayfield had like a year and a half, or a season and a half of experience right now, and he doesn't have all those intangibles. So I. That's just kind of where I'm at personally for the Dolphins. I think if you're not going to go get a, a superior, talented quarterback, I don't know what what are the Dolphins like. How much better if you put Joe Burrow in place of Ryan Fitzpatrick on day one? Are the Dolphins going to be with the team they have, especially if you give up assets? I mean, Burrow probably wouldn't take off and run as much. I would say maybe Burrow's more accurate than Fitzpatrick in the sense that he's not going to make as many bad decisions because as fun as Fitzpatrick was to watch, there were a lot of throws where Fitzpatrick made and we're just kind of looking at him like, what the hell were you doing? So, right. But you're, you're against so you're, you're saying is you think he might be more efficient than Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah. And that's exactly what you're talking about is that that's not good enough. I, at his, at, at that age, I don't think that you would have a efficient pocket passer in Joe Burrow for three or four seasons before he was getting to the point where at the speed and the competition level, he's going to be facing the NFL versus college. Because keep in mind, again, how many teams did LSU even play that were even close to their talent level? What, maybe three teams, four teams at the most? Mm. All those other stats that Joe Burrow has, he had a far superior offensive line, far superior defense. You don't get that in the NFL. That's why rookie quarterbacks take time to develop because – Frankly, they got to make mistakes. They're going to be throwing interceptions. They're going to make bad decisions. And I don't see why Joe Burrow would be any. I don't see him as somebody like Andrew Luck or Peyton Manning, where they were so unbelievable in college that you feel like you can start them on opening day in the NFL, and they're going to do okay because they're that far along um, in their how advanced they are at reading defenses as a quarterback. I, I don't see that in Joe Burrow. I see a potential franchise quarterback. He, he definitely is that, but. To trade up to go get him, um, I, I'm kind of along that line. I, I know you're in agreement with me on this. I would rather just take Jordan Love maybe in the late first round 
and just put him with Chan Gailey, Josh Rosen, and Ryan Fitzpatrick and see where you can develop him into. Because with what he can physically do, if he does develop, I almost feel like that's what you need in this day and age in the NFL to win. That That's how these teams that are winning with young quarterbacks are winning. They're, you know, the Houston Texans and Kansas City Chiefs, they're not winning because their quarterbacks just sit in the pocket. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Read defenses faster than anybody else can and get the ball out, like the way like a Tom Brady or a Peyton Manning was winning over the last couple decades. They're winning because... Yeah, their, their their physical ability is amazing, and that's how they're being successful right now. So, uh, I my gut feeling is with the Chan Gailey and all the changes in staff, that's what Brian Flores wants to do. I I hundred percent agree with both you guys. He's not attempting to recreate the Patriots' way in Miami anymore. I think he cleared the Patriots' way right out the house. You know, this offseason with his assistant coaches, it's completely starting over in a in a different direction offensively. I wouldn't be upset if the Patriots way stuck around in the sense of the culture, though. That part of it, I would like to keep the whole team first. Everybody's got to do their jobs. Everybody take care of their own business, and then everything will work out. I don't care about the offense and the schemes and stuff, but keep that general discipline in mind. That's what I would like to look at. That all starts at the top of Flores. And yeah. Seems like he's maybe be the first, <laughs> first uh, disciple of... Bill Belichick that's been able to go to a team and instill that. I mean, no, assuming it happens. Well, not necessarily. Yeah, Bill yes. O'Brien? Bill O'Brien doesn't have a Patriot way going on in Houston. He, he, well, he has he, success, he, went, he traded a guy who had 14 false start uh, flags okay, well. for for two firsts and a second. Does that sound like the Patriot way no, to you? No, probably sure, doesn't. doesn't. No, doesn't. <laughs> no, I, don't, I don't think any head coach has done it yet. Flores, if he does, it'll be the first you know, Bill Belichick disciple to be able to, to kind of, you know, create quote unquote, the Patriot way, by the way, which the Patriots say, they don't even know what that is. They don't use that term. (laughs) (laughs) Something created by the media. We made it up. Yeah, we made it up. All right. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, speaking of coaching, we'll discuss it real quick. Uh, So Jim Caldwell has been confirmed. He will not be returning to the Miami Dolphins. We didn't really get to see much of him except for like one or two interviews anyway. But, um, that's not to say that Caldwell is not a talented coach. He's a very he's very good at what he does, I believe. So uh now I'm gonna go ahead and ask you first, Ron. So Caldwell's leaving. We know for sure he's not coming back. He's looking for other coaching opportunities elsewhere. What are we losing what are we gonna be missing out on by Caldwell leaving? Because I know for a fact that the whole idea of Caldwell coming in the first place was the hope that he would develop a quarterback or at least get the chance to do so. Now he's a rookie's going to come in and Caldwell won't be there. Do you think that's going to hurt too much? No, not really. I mean, it would have been curious to see if he would have developed Rosen any better. Let's say he had been here and that was truly one of his main roles, but we don't know. So as far as what are we going to be missing? Well, we're not missing anything we didn't have to begin with because we really didn't have Caldwell. And Chan Gailey is going to come in and, and take that role. Will he do it as well? Well, it's impossible for us to know. 
I'm not concerned about missing Jim Caldwell, mostly because he really wasn't here. I'm a lot more concerned with, as I said last week, with the turnover, like the the massive turnover in all the coaching um, than I am Caldwell seeking employment elsewhere. Well, you know, there's two ways to look at it. I'm going to go ahead and say that. So you brought up the turnover. There's two ways to look at it. One is that everybody wanted to jump ship and didn't want to be with Flores. Or the idea is that other teams liked what they saw from Flores' coaching staff so much that they all ran to see if they would be willing to take the job. Well, yeah, I mean, Chad O'Shea was let go. I don't, I think if well, they, O'Shea, you know, Chad yeah. O'Shea had had, if O'Shea had had his way, he'd still be here. Um, Graham wanted to go work with his buddy, um, was it Judge? Joe, what's his name? Joe Judge? Joe Judge. Over, yeah. He wanted to go work with his buddy. Uh, they've been best friends forever, like best of best friends. So, um, plus also, and I think uh, this might play a little bit on what Chad was talking about last week. When you're a defensive coordinator with Flores, you're kind of, and it's kind of like with Bill Belichick. This is a, a Patriot way thing. You're not really kind of the defensive coordinator. Flores has got his hands all in that defense. He's almost probably micromanaging it a little bit because that's his side. Even taking, we even saw him taking the play calling a lot of times, grabbing the uh, grabbing the card and doing the play calling on the defense. So I'm I'm imagining um, Graham wanted to go be an actual like. I'm going to be the defensive coordinator. I'm going to control the defense, and you're going to go do your thing. And that a defensive coordinator wasn't going to get that under Flores, and that's why it also made more sense just to promote somebody as opposed to going out and finding another kind of almost de facto defensive coordinator who really isn't going to get to come in and run their defense. They're going to have to run the defense that Flores wants to run. So I think that's part of why those are the two big reasons I imagine we saw Graham head out. Um, and then a lot of the other coaches, it's, you know, some collateral damage. You change out two coordinators, put in two more different coordinators, especially on the offensive side. Well, those guys are, especially, like I said, in the case of Chan Gailey, he's going to want his own players, his own people. And we'll see that happening. Uh, I, I get why it's all happening. I just hope that it doesn't have an effect on, on player development or, or the team that we continue to move in the upward position, but I'm less, worried about the defense because I, I really feel like that's kind of more Flores's baby. Not that he's just doing the defense and not running the team because he clearly seems to be coaching the whole team as far as the, the coaches and, you know, he's doing, seems to be doing a great job there. Um, but I, I think again, when you have, when you're a defensive coordinator, right, at least right now, the way it's structured with Miami, you're kind of almost like a, you know, in name really, but not truly what some of the other defensive coordinators in this league are getting as far as responsibility and kind of to, to have the defense to themselves. Fair enough. It's basically the same thing as when Adam Gates was here. Dow Loggins was the offensive coordinator, but not really. It's, it's exact. It's almost exactly the same thing. Although I think with Gates, he might've even been, I mean, he was probably even a little bit more heavily involved because remember he's a genius. <laughs> it's like so sultry. He's like, Genius. Genius. He's a oh. he's a quarterback. He's a quarterback whisperer who we've yet to ever see develop a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> but yet he's the quarterback whisperer. I don't know what what quarterback he's whispering. He whisper, he's, he's whispering something, but I don't think it's helping. It's no. like, Will you stop whispering in my ear? You're freaking me out. <laughs> Anywho. Alrighty. So I guess that's really uh Chad, do you have any Caldwell comments or nah? Yeah, you know, um, to me, it signals a, a definite change in philosophy, what we're doing offensively, because 
Caldwell was one of the first hires, if my memory is right, for, yes, for Flores on offense. And uh, I think Ron's very accurate. I think it's a comfort level for Flores. He he coordinated the Patriots defense for a few years, if, if I'm not not mistaken. Just and no, Flores, knows, just the one year. Technically speaking, was he just was only the defensive one? coordinator one year. With that being said, though, and he had a pretty successful year doing it, um, I think Flores is very comfortable. I think he's extremely comfortable teaching defensive backs, and I think he's pretty comfortable running the defense. Um, and so when you look at his hires, most of the inexperience were, was on the defensive side of the football. And I think it's because Flores feels comfortable basically directing his defensive coaches what he wants instilled and what game plan he wants done. I think on the other side of the ball, where Flores isn't have, doesn't have the experience, probably would be coordinating the offense and maybe also the offensive line. So you saw that really be Chan Gailey's baby. I think Ron hit it right on the head. Chan Gailey hired some of the people he wanted on his offense, which accounted for some of the other turnovers. So you're kind of seeing, I think, Flores wanted an experienced coach to help develop the quarterback and help run the offense. And a coach is pretty comfortable with running the defense. With that said, though, something changed from this time last year when we were getting Caldwell because the whole idea was Jim Caldwell was going to help develop quarterback. He was going to kind of be the offensive coordinator, not by title, but that was really he was going to be the overseer of the offense as well as an assistant head coach. And so he has the health issue. We really didn't have much Caldwell involvement at all if it what I saw. Maybe he did a few things behind the scenes, but um, I just don't think he was very involved, but he could easily, he's, he's obviously looking for a job. He's been doing interviews with other teams. Um, obviously something in Flory's mind's changed where he preferred Chan Gailey over Jim Caldwell. That could be his history with Chan Gailey, but I really think it is exactly what we were just talking about. I think Brian Flores decided you know, I've been here for a year, and I've decided I'm not going to try to replicate what we did in New England on offense. Um, I'm going to go a completely different way. And I think, in at least in, in Flores' mind and probably Greer's mind, that Chan Gailey is a better fit for what uh, they want to do offensively compared to Jim Caldwell. So um, if that gives any insight in what you're going to see Miami doing, I, I do think you're going to see a lot more elements of the spread offense. That's what the – whole passing on Jim Caldwell represents to me. All right. Well, that's pretty straightforward. So what we're going to do now is we're going to get into the real meat and potatoes of any off season. So we didn't get to talk about it last week. We kind of ran low on time. We almost went for two hours straight, but so we're going to go ahead and get into it now. So as we mentioned before, there was a salary cap snafu so, well, not really a snafu per se. There's going with the collective bargaining agreement getting ready to expire. There is a distinct possibility that there will be no rollover cap from 2020 to 2021. So that brings up a very interesting topic, which we're going to discuss real briefly because it's basically going to put us in the armchair of the GM. So if there is no cap carryover from 2020 to 2021, that means that unless you're going to spend all the way up to the salary cap, you are basically throwing away money. Because let's say you have 25 million left in cap space by the time the offseason is over, then that 25 million that you didn't spend, if there's no carryover, you just wasted a ton of cash. So now the question is, do you, if that, if, if that happens, do you try to spend all the way up to the cap? And if so, how would you handle it? 
then I'm going to give it to you first, Chad. What would you do this if you're uh, Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily Daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. General Manager Chad Ronnebaum, who has to make sure that none of the money gets wasted. Well, well, to clarify, that's obviously an unknown right now. It is an unknown. Yes, it is. So you, you don't know that. So I don't know that, that decision-making process how that times relative to when free agency opens will be interesting because if you're really not sure what the collective bargaining agreement is going to look like in 2021, I don't know that you want to approach the 2020 free agency as it being an unknown. And that's where all the teams are going to be in that boat. Um, So I I think to be more accurate, you'd be saying, what if you know for sure 2021 is not going to allow rollover money? Correct. Yes. And so if you know that you still are in a situation where, yeah, you, if you have open cap space, you don't get to carry it over, so you have even more cap space the next year. But what you do carry over are bad contracts. And so that doesn't mean you're going to want to say, hey, I've got $30 million of cap space still. I can't roll that $30 million over. I'm going to go sign another person. If you do that, you better be at the very least signing unguaranteed contracts because you may want to be cutting that person next year and not have any cap consequences the following year, if is he, even if you can't roll it over, that doesn't mean there's not going to be a cap on what you can and can't spend. So I, I honestly don't anticipate teams going crazy over um, spending money, thinking there's not going to be a rollover in, into the off season. It, it, at least, at the very least, and being reckless, um, it may make you want to push up if you're really coveting somebody. And you're, you've got somebody that, let's say we, we want to get the top two offensive linemen. And the one offensive lineman we want wants about three or four million dollars more. He's probably wanting a couple million dollars above his market. If you've got that cap money right now and you're not sure if you're going to roll cap money over, that might be a better investment to get that solid offensive lineman this year than to try to have an extra couple million attributed to your cap next year. Um, the good news for the Dolphins is there, you know, you, I think one thing to always keep in mind behind the scenes is there's totally different factions amongst the NFL owners on how they want to approach this. Because you're going to have an interesting dynamic right now of somebody like Jerry Jones. And I was talking today on Twitter about how big a mess the Cowboys are in right now because they don't have uh, Dak Prescott under contract. They don't have Byron Jones under contract. Uh, they don't have Amari Cooper, Cooper under under contract. And they've got a ton of money tied up in like nine players right now. And so they're in a very difficult cap situation to manage. And quite frankly, I think Dak Prescott knows on the open market, he'll get $30 million a year. Um, 
on, on a longer term contract because look at the other quarterbacks right now in the league that are getting close to those numbers and they're right in that range of what Dak Prescott uh, would be as a quarterback. And so a team like the Cowboys, they would absolutely love an uncapped year going into 2021 because they can fix all their cap problems immediately. So if, if you're in a situation where maybe like the Dolphins were a year or two ago with the suit contract and stuff, that's like your get out of jail free card to get a cap free season because you can just sign a bunch of big contracts and inflate a bunch of big contracts to take care of everybody you need to and then not have to deal with the cap. So I would think a team like the Cowboys and Jerry Jones are going to honestly want to push like they'd love to have an uncapped situation because then they can be like the Yankees of baseball and buy all the best players. Um, we had mentioned this last week, a team like Green Bay, where they don't actually have an owner. You know, their their stock is owned by the public. The Green Bay Packers don't have big dollars to go buy a bunch of players with. So they need a salary cap and revenue sharing to be able to have the money to be competitive in the NFL. Uh, now, the NFL, as, as the office, the front office, they want to try to keep a very competitive league in games that people want to watch. And so I think they want to be pretty careful to not allow a team like the Cowboys to have this become Major League Baseball, where you know the same five or six teams are always going to be the best teams. We already have that in college football right now, where you kind of have the same great teams every year, and the other teams just don't have a chance. Um, for the Dolphins, we've got the best of both worlds because Stephen Ross, I think, is like probably like around five or six. I'm saying that off the top of my head, so I could be wrong. But in terms of how wealthy he is as an owner, oh yeah, Ross like, has always said it's an open pocketbook. Just whatever you need, here you go. Right, but compared to other owners in the league, he he's like in the top five or six. I want to say in terms of how much he's worth um, from a wealth standpoint. So. Steven Ross can go buy players if he wants to in an uncapped situation, right? So we should feel pretty good if we have to get into less a league that's less restricted by the salary cap because we have an owner with deep pockets, so to speak. On the flip side, if a salary cap is going to predominate, we've got a hundred some million dollars in cap space. So either scenario, we should be able to go get the players we want, Lewis. That that's what I think. Um, who that is, is, is I think, going to contribute more from a cultural standpoint. I don't think we're going to go get Mike Wallace-type players now that might be uber-talented, but they, they have problems that come with them. I, I think this team's probably going to go get two or three solid veteran offensive linemen. Um, they might get a solid veteran uh, defensive lineman as well. And then I think we're just going to sit still, go through the draft, because we have so many draft picks. They're going to draft all those guys, and then you'll see this team try to fill in what they need to on the second wave of free agency. I, I don't think you're going to see um, a huge sprint spending spree in uh, free agency. So, so what you're saying is that if you if you did know for sure that you would have to that there would be money wasted, you still wouldn't go out of your way to spend it. I, it, depending on who's available at free agency. Now, you threw some names out there I don't think are actually going to be available. Even though they're scheduled to become free agents, I think there'll be things like tags or they'll get contracts uh, worked out and things like that. But um, if you get players that are, are very good players, you know, I don't have any tr trouble going out and getting them signed and spending a lot of our free agent dollars. What I don't think you want to do is just go sign a bunch of free agents just to fill holes on your team. Because that's time and time again been proven by the Dolphins. That's a good way to be an 8-8 eight eight football team is to go overpay for guys that are good, not great. Um, because then all you have are 
some spots in your team that just have some good players that are on the back end of their careers, and it just never seems to work out. And so uh, I, I just don't think that's the type of player this team is going to pursue. I, I, again, I, I don't think we're going to go more than just some offensive line in this offseason. I don't think we're going to get quarterbacks and running backs and receivers and corners. I don't think we're going to go pay huge dollars for those positions. I think we'll just hold on to that cash. And, um, yeah, I, I just I don't see the benefit on getting a, a player that's not really good um, just because you have money, if that makes sense. Okay. Ron? Um, I don't think that if – Let's say, for instance, uh, like we're talking about here, the scenario where our money doesn't roll over and we're going to have a ton of space. I don't think it keeps makes us go get players we wouldn't have gotten anyway. We're going to stick to whatever their plan is. I, I think we're going to do a little bit more than Chad thinks we're going to do as far as you know filling needs through free agency because this team just has so many. And they do want to start to kind of they do want to start to win. And rookies really don't make you win right now. Um, however. It'll change. They'll go and get the same players they were going to get, but it's going to change the way they structure those contracts for sure. If they know for a fact the money can't roll over, they're going to put a lot of the money on these players' contracts, not in the signing bonus and not spreading it out over a period of time and not backloaded. They're going to front load some of these contracts a decent amount into the first year salary. Now, I want to give you an example of Jimmy. I, I mentioned it before. I want to say Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo. I keep mentioning his contract. Well, two years ago, he signed a $137 million deal, um, which at the time was extremely large. It's not as quite as large as what we're about to see here soon, but um, it was a big, big contract, still a big contract. And the San Francisco 49ers at the time weren't a very good team. They didn't really have a lot of talent they'd signed yet didn't really have a lot of players they were spending on. They had a huge amount of cap space. So they front-loaded it, not with a big giant signing bonus, but they front-loaded it with a first-year salary of $37 million. And now that cap space is more manageable for such a big quarterback salary, $137 million. They're not spending. They're spending a little over $20 million each year, which sounds like a lot, but it really isn't in this day and age compared to what some of these quarterback, contra- these, uh, quarterback contracts are going to look like. With thirty and thirty-five million dollar cap hits coming up, you know when they when they backload them or they take a big signing bonus and they spread it out and it's hitting you every year. And then if you want to move on, there's a lot of dead money. Like if they wanted to move on from Garoppolo, it's only like four million in dead money. It's insane. It's hardly anything because of the way they structured it because they had so much space. They'll do the same thing. Miami would do the same thing. They're going to front load them, and they're going to front load them not with bonus money, but they're going to front load them with with first year contract that that twenty twenty uh, year. Secondly, if there's anybody on the team they want to retain, now's the time to do it and do the same exact thing. Front load more of the money into the into the twenty twenty salary. Um, another thing they could do is if there's anyone left that they wanted to trade. I don't know that there's I don't know if there's anybody left that anybody's interested in trading for. They can eat some salary and trade it off like we kind of did a little bit with Tannehill. Um like I think we did with uh maybe one or two other players where we kind of ate some Robert salary. Quinn. I'm sorry I couldn't hear you. Robert uh, Quinn. Chad. Uh Robert Quinn. Okay. Um 
So um, where we ate some salary and then traded them off, kind of paying for picks. And Aqib Talib, the whole Aqib Talib thing, we basically yeah, exactly. took on his contract for a fifth you're round. Paying, you're, you're paying for picks. Yeah, you're paying for a pick in that case. Um, those are the types of things I think you'll see them do. None of those things really are things they weren't going to do anyway, except for maybe eating more salary to, to, to just get some picks. Now, I don't know how much more of that they would have done unless this happens. Um, but lastly, I would say the number one thing you're going to do is you're going to get, you're going to sign Kalen Balaj to a 10 year, $60 million deal. How do you not, how do you not do that, dude? I mean, how do you not extend this guy? He was magnificent. I mean, you want to pay this guy a million dollars per yard, you know, right? That's what I'm thinking. A million dollars per yard. He's worth it. I mean, those are some really exciting carries he had. And that's what I would do. You can't see me right now, but I'm just like, <laughs> He's obviously being sarcastic, but the uh, uh, yeah. I don't. I know he is. It still hurts. I, I I read through the restricted, unrestricted, etc. Free agents. I don't think there's anybody on this team they're going to give a huge contract to. Um, yeah, probably. You're probably right. You're probably you're uh, like right. But these are the types of things they could do if there is anybody they want to keep. I'm not saying it's a huge contract. It could be this. It's going to be the same contract they would have given them. They're just going to structure it differently. No, I, I'm not I, saying I, they're going to go give them anyone a huge contract. Same thing with the free agents. They're not going to be giving them any more money than they would have given them. They're just going oh, to no, structure. That, that makes, let's say um, somebody like uh, Beagle, the linebacker. I think he's a uh, restricted free agent. Okay. Um, so they, they they have to tender him to a certain level or if you tender him, you got to give him a certain level of contract. But let, let's say you're going to sign um, him to like a three-year, $12 million contract or something like that. You may be absolutely right. They may structure that so they're paying like nine or 10 million of the 12 in the first year. In the first um, year, exactly. Yeah. So now because you're thinking, well, how does that save the money? Well, here's how it saves the money. Now you've got a talented guy who was worth $12 million, but his hit for the next couple of years is only one or two million per year, which frees up more space to spend on other players, other free agents, signing other guys, signing draft picks, etc. So that's how you kind of still, in a way, roll the money over uh, anyway by by structuring well, contacts like this. Yeah. It's just going to be a lot more tricky. You know, that's it's going to be a lot more tricky. That's the way you're rolling it over. With, if you can, if you don't get to allow free money, over. you would rather spread it out if you could roll the money over. Because yeah, but if you if can't, you, this is a way to do that. This is a way to not waste cap space exactly um yeah i can see that and it, it, that they would probably work to their advantage in uh, in free agency because if you're a free agent and you're looking to sign with a new team that's almost the same as getting guaranteed money like instead of getting a sinus bonus the advantage of a signing bonus is a team says all right i'm going to give you a hundred million dollar contract but i'm going to give you 35 of it in a signing bonus which is a check i'm writing to you right now yeah, so you get to put thirty five million in the bank, and I'm going to spread it over the five years of the contract, so it lowers my cap hit. You're essentially doing the same thing for the player if you're not rolling one over and saying, "Look, I'm going to pay you sixty percent of your contract in the first year of your contract," which means you're still getting a lot of the money very quickly if you're yeah, a player. It's still like getting a signing bonus, except you're going to get it spread out over those, what, 16, 17 weeks. As long as you make it to week one and you're playing there on active week one, guess what? You're guaranteed that first year salary, regardless of what happens after that. Yeah, absolutely. And so that, yeah, that, I can see that happening. Um, I think that makes a lot of sense in the structures of the contracts they do give out. Um, exactly. But yeah. I, I don't know beyond that. One thing, just because you guys brought it up, I'm not so sure this team's just cutting Akeem Tlaib. 
Um, yeah, I had thought that out before. Maybe that's an assumption right now, but you know, he's always thirty four. Contract but he had is up anyway. He's all, he's 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 done. Like the contract is over anyway. So he he's his contract player. is, but his rights are ours, and so um, they the Dolphins have the first right to negotiate with them, and could even do tagging if they want. I don't think they'll tag him, but no, they won't. Um, but I'm, it's I'm just pointing idea. out. Uh, it wouldn't shock me if they work out a deal with a team to keep to to stay with the team because he played with Flores, you know, in new England. Um, and this team does need another boundary corner. Um, it would make sense if you kept him and drafted a guy. So you had Xavier Howard to keep to and a rookie yeah. off on the other side um, to kind of work with. That's, that's something to definitely think about. It's it could something happen. to think about, but I'm for me, if I'm keeping like, I brought it up on Twitter a little while ago, like, Hey, don't forget to leads on the roster. But for me, at this point, he's 34, he's getting old, he's already starting to show signs that he's not that guy anymore. It's kind of like with Brent Grimes, it's like you can start to f- start to f- see the wheels starting to come off. So, I thought you said there was no cursing on this show. <laughs> I didn't bring up the other half, That's the, the other half yeah. is the evil half. Yeah, like, let's true. look. They're look, both man. the evil half of Yasmin. No, man. Look, okay. look. I don't. I don't hate Brent. Brent was fun to watch. He did. I'm never going to forget that one-handed leaping backwards interception against Megatron of all people in the end zone. Brent is fine. It's the other half. I could have definitely lived without. But either way, you, you, the point is that you could still start to see it. Like during as when Brent's Dolphins career started to end, you could start to see that. He was going downhill. Like we started saying, he had butter on his feet. He couldn't keep up with guys. It had reached the point where Brent wasn't the guy worth keeping around anymore. And Talib is already starting to show signs of that. If I'm going to keep him around, then I'm going to have him as the veteran mentor more so than like basically a player coach almost. He's not the guy that I want starting next to Xavier Howard week in and week out anymore. For that, that's when I'm actually going to go out and I'm going to grab somebody in his prime. And this is where I'm going to give my thoughts. I am going to write something about it on Five Reasons Sports eventually, my whole offseason plan. But I'll basically give a quick preview here. Is that if we really can't roll over that salary cap, then Chad's absolutely right. We shouldn't go out and just buy guys just for the sake of buying guys. Like if we're going to go and look for somebody who's like at the end of his at the end of his career, he's starting to tail off and maybe he's looking for a revival or whatever. No, 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 no. No revival people, but there are a lot of guys out there right now who are going to be looking for their second contract, whether with their current team or with another team, and they don't have the money to necessarily get everything that those guys want. You you were the one who brought up the Cowboys, chat, and they are a perfect example of this whole situation. They cannot afford to give Dak Prescott his $30 million per year contract and retain Amari Cooper and retain Byron Jones. It, they, if they manage to do that, then Jerry Jones is making money come out of thin air somehow. Like, he's cheating somehow. He has to be. But if even yeah, then... Yeah, which could be done. That's something you're going to have to watch. Because I this is, is stepping back, and I think I've mentioned this to you before, Lewis. Um, do you guys remember Lael Collins, the offensive tackle? I do remember that, LSU? yes. He didn't get drafted. I, He's I, still with the Cowboys, isn't he? Yes, Yeah, yes. but I always, from a conspiracy standpoint, because when the Cowboys took him, we had him pretty well signed, and we needed him, but then he suddenly changed heart and went to the Cowboys, who didn't have cap space to give him a big contract, but he went ahead and went there anyway, and this this happens in college football all the time, and it, it's something as a league. I'm kind of keeping an eye on the Cowboys right now, who are in a very difficult situation. So they gave up a number one pick to get Amari Cooper, and that's looking like for what a, a year, a two year rental, a number one pick. That's pretty steep. 
for a two-year rental and they don't have the money to sign him. Otherwise, they don't have the money to sign all these guys. So if some of these guys suddenly start signing these below market contracts, let's say Dak Prescott said, yeah, I'm going to give a, a team-friendly deal. I'm going to sign for $20 million when he can probably get closer to $35 million on the open market. Well, one, he would be insane. Well, two. on the surface, but two, for me, would be, is Jerry Jones giving money players around the cap? Oh, like, God. All right, I, I'm going to give you money in your pocket, cash, and that's how we're going to reimburse you. So you still get your money, but then I'm – you see what I'm saying? I do, but that, you know what, Chad? Listen – I, I get it, and I do, and I've often made this joke about, oh, that's why Brady always gets low contracts is because he's getting money under the table. There are 31 other owners in the league who would be catching wind of this somehow. There's no way you can keep something like that secret in today's day and age. And, they would and be screaming. Too. Yeah, and agents, well, too, would be having yeah, a freak show. I mean, they'd be freaking out because they're getting cut out of the deal. The and, agents so, would be all over it. Yeah, but yeah. Brady, he could do it because he already had made so much money. And just sell his wife, for God's sake. She makes more money than he right. has. But I, that's a different topic. But Jack Prescott has not made money. I think he's made like $4 million or something. Yeah. And he, he's due to get 30-something. And the Cowboys didn't extend him. And so I'm just pointing out if they somehow keep all three of those guys, that means they're signing under market contracts. And yes. that becomes suspicious to me. That would have to be happens. either, yes, uh, either – that would have to be either under the table money or just love of the Cowboys, kind of like a Dan Marino where he kept staying in Miami just because. But that would, in today's day and age, I just don't see that happening anymore. Nowadays, it's no. get your money while you can. With that said, um, yeah, I, I think if if you're going to not roll over cap money, I'm I'm okay overpaying for uh, Byron Jones um, because if you have the cap space to do it, to me, he you could probably sign him to a four or five year deal. He may be really, really good opposite of Xavier Howard, and you fill the hole there with your uh, cap space money. You, you mean opposite Nick Needham. I'm just kidding. Right, <laughs> Nick Needham. As an example, though, I wouldn't do it for Amari Cooper because we have good young receivers already. He, he's going to want to be paid like a top five receiver probably, and well, he's, he's had plenty worth, of injury trouble. And he's not worth it anyway. He's just not because he's been so inconsistent over his career, so up and down. Right, but there'll be a team that'll pay him big that needs a quarter that needs a wide receiver that doesn't have a lot of draft picks, and that's and their answer. Gonna, for sure. <laughs> well, that's what we would have been doing, like even three or four years ago, because we were trying to get good right away. And if you don't have the draft picks accumulated, that's the only way you can try to get good quick is to overpay free agents. And so, um, I, I think you'll see it happen um, in a nutshell. But uh, anyway, though, I I think in terms of for the Dolphins. You guys are, are – they're going to spend the money, but I guess, Lewis, to, to answer what you're saying, I still – I think you got to avoid getting subpar players on big contracts. That's that's an easy thing to do in free agency. It depends on who you consider to be subpar because there are a lot of these guys who have performed that are going to be – again, they're going to be looking for their second-ever contracts. I'm looking at, again, the, the pass rusher from the Jaguars, Yannick Ngakwe. He just got – he keeps talking about how he's free. He's going to be the free agent. He's going to be – he's one of the premier pass rushers on the open market. And what is it the Dolphins desperately need right now as a pass rusher? Um, Brandon Scherf, couple, one of the a top – A couple of them. A couple of them, yeah. So, uh, like, and then Brandon Scherf from the Redskins, he, like, he's been, he's been offered extensions from the Redskins three times and he's ignored each one of them. So it's obvious he's looking for a big time payday. And he's like one of the best guards available, like, on the, in the league, not even on the open market. So that's another one. Um, Jack Conklin at right tackle, he's pretty darn good still. He's not 
the super dominant force he once was, but he's going to be looking for a new contract too. And we need somebody to replace Jesse Davis. I'm sorry. He, he may have been the most consistent guy at right tackle, but let me tell you, he was, even that is consistently not good. So, um, I would not be upset with Conklin. I would not be upset with Scherf, like revamp that whole right side of the line, maybe get a left tackle like Anthony Costanzo for a couple years. He's a, he's still, he's older, but he's solid. He's never been, he's never spent a year being bad. So that's somebody I wouldn't mind paying. Um, the Byron Jones thing, yes, I would pay him. I would also go out and see if I can pay Derrick Henry just because I saw what he did with Tennessee. I don't even think he gets, I don't even think he gets to hit the open market really. But if he did, I would throw bags of money at him just because you can tell when someone is, I would, I would, you can tell when someone is special. Would you have repaid Ricky Williams after his first run? I think if you're asking me, I think Ricky Williams is, is quite a bit more talented than Derrick Henry. I might get filleted for that. I, I don't think Derrick Henry's that talented. Um, he's big and he's fast, but that is a very good offensive line. I mean, you don't get opinion. to, I mean, no, I, I mean, yeah, but you don't get to be the league's leading rusher by just having a good offensive line. By that logic, uh, Zeke uh, should be running do. away with the title. <laughs> Zeke should be <laughs> running away with the title every single year then. Well, Zeke competes for the title about every year, doesn't he? Um, every year he's been in Dallas because he's had good lines. Now, I'm not trying to take anything away from Derrick Henry. I'm, I'm just saying the reason he is so unstoppable is he's he's getting into the second level usually with the football. He's big and he's fast, but um, paying him a huge contract, I'm just I think that's the majority of the NFL today is to not overpay running backs. And there's some serious talent. Oh, I agree. I'm not being I'm being choosy about who I would pay. It's not like I'm going out and signing the first guy who breaks free, but just watching Henry. He would bring a spark that we don't currently have, and I am not giving Kalen Balaja ten year, sixty million dollar no, no, contract. No, no, no. You, uh, you can go draft it Dobbins from Ohio State. You can get to Wisconsin. Is it Jonathan Taylor? Their running back. Those are some really talented running backs that are I not do both. Both do both. I don't know. I, I guess it all depends on what Henry's asking. But in today's day and age, the running back is so hard to keep healthy. And the, especially when they start to get older. And so if you give Derrick Henry a huge contract, I think the chances that he's going to give you three or four years at that high level. It's slim. He's only really had one year at this level. It'd be dangerous. And I like Derrick Henry a lot, but I think it'd be dangerous to give him a big contract. He's had one good year. And that's just the truth. So front load it. Do what you were talking about, Ron. You just give him the money. Yeah, but you're still overpaying. And and the whole, and the point I was trying to make is you would not, be paying people or you wouldn't be signing players you wouldn't have signed anyway and you wouldn't be paying them any more money than you would have paid them anyway you're just structuring it differently this goes into that i I don't i'm not a believer in signing derrick henry to some crazy ezekiel elliott deal i just don't believe i i would i don't believe the dolphins are going to do that regardless i don't either but i don't think the dolphins are in that mode and i don't think that's how they're trying to build this team i I don't don't think they are. they didn't just strip down this roster of all the crap and the overpaid people and all that stuff to go pay derrick henry ezekiel elliott money i I just don't believe that that was that's the kind of move they make no no i mean stepping back i would pay big money to conklin um Definitely, I'd pay it to Sharif. I'm an Iowa guy, of course. But look, our offensive line, uh, you know, other than Jesse Davis, who, who probably would be best as our sixth lineman that is that guy that can play multiple positions to fill in when somebody gets hurt, uh, we practically need to rebuild our whole offensive line. Um, and that's hard to do in one offseason, but we've absolutely have an opportunity do it. here. 
They you I you go and get Conklin and, and Sheriff both. We've got the money for it. Um, you you instill those two veteran Pro Bowl level guys on our line immediately, and then you maybe use one of your number one draft picks on a left tackle, Tyler Biadas. Get him from Wisconsin and, um, and help Dieter. Yeah, and that you just make those moves right there, and this team is suddenly competitive immediately. Um, no matter who you have at running back, um, and then I think you just draft some running backs. I don't think you put a lot of money in the position. I think you put your money in your trenches and don't go crazy. I, I don't know where else they're going to spend. Like you, the maybe one quarterback. Corner, I really hope. Yeah, I feel like Flores is so competent in developing D backs, and he is really good at it. I think he would just rather get a, a talented rookie and start training, working with him right away. Um, that's kind of why I threw out the. A, Keep to leap thing on a one year contract, knowing that he's not going to be here long. He may not even start for the entire year, but you can draft a rookie who can start working under Flores right away, and you can probably start somebody like Talib on opening day, have a veteran corner out there, and work your rookie in um, a little bit more slow. But I, I do think Flores is very confident in making people like Nick Needham. <laughs> um, that I mean, he's making decent D backs off guys that aren't overly talented. And so you give them a couple of talented D-backs. To me, that's the way to go. Um, I don't expect them to put a lot of free agency dollars in the defense. Um, unless there's a really high-end D-tackle that's fairly young, that's available that they compare with, with Wilkins. But I just don't see it. I think it's going to go in the offensive line. I really do. So no pass rusher? Maybe. Um, I mean, they went after. Who, who's the guy the Seahawks got? I'm trying to remember. Well, Cloud, Cloud, I think it almost felt like they were trying to. The, I, the way that we were getting it told is that they were trying. They didn't even really necessarily want Clowney. It was just that Clowney had to be part of the trade somehow. Part of uh, what trade? No, they whatever, wanted Clowney. They wanted. Clowney yeah. Well, we were hearing. Clowney we were hearing it. it both ways. So I don't know. Yeah, Clowney no, they, it. They want a player like Clowney, but um, I, you know, the the player. Again, I think it's hard to make these moves until you're after the draft because different than some of these other teams, kind of the way I was pointed out, again, swinging back to the theme in the NFL, you've got to win right now. You, you have a very small window to win. And so if you're in a position where you're trying to get to a playoff caliber team or even better, um, if you don't have a lot of draft picks, you've got to go, go all in on free agency right away if you're trying to change your team um, to be better right away. Like, like what the Dolphins have been trying to do for years, under Philbin and under Gase especially. That's, that was right. the mode we were all in. But you know what, though, guys? That. This is what I'm going to say, is that how much of that failure didn't so much hinge on the players themselves. It was that the coaching was just that bad. Look back on what we had the past three regimes, is that we had the Philbin, and that we know was god-awful. Then Gase showed up and fooled us for one year because he finally ran the doggone ball with Ajayi, and that... He, that blew up Ajayi's career right there. He used it all in one year. And then yeah. he's turned out to be terrible in that instance as well. Robert Quinn turned into the Cowboys' best pass rusher from Miami where he was terrible. Here, here's the thing that I think uh, in general, not always obviously, but in general is kind of a truth in the NFL. Really good players, the teams don't let them go very easily at all. And so very true. 100 percent true. When you get into free agency, the players that are free agents, there's usually an underlying reason. If it's an ultra-talented guy, then there's usually a behavior issue. Like this is a guy that gets in trouble, gets suspended, gets caught using performance-enhancing drugs. I think sometimes teams have an idea that that's what's going on with their guy, and so they're deciding not to put a big contract in them 
because they've had them for four or five years and they know what they've got. And so they've decided to not give that player a bunch of money. Um, or the, you know, you, you get medicals, but you don't really know over a 16 game season what kind of injuries players are dealing with, um, how often they're playing hurt all the time. The injury reports are so often not accurate. So I always get a little nervous when you see those free agents that you're going to go chase. That's the first thing that pops in my head. It should, it, no different if you're, let's say you're going to hire, you have a business, you're going to hire somebody. So when you get their resume, one of the first things you look at is where were your other stops? And if you have somebody that's had three jobs in four years or, or four jobs in six months or whatever, you're wondering why is this person changing jobs so often? And, and along those same lines, I'm always wondering that for a free agent where I'm like, why is this person a free agent? And I think you always kind of have to ask yourself a little bit, what, what is the reason that that team wouldn't put a lot of money in? There are times you get a very good free agent and it's just because the other team had a situation where they got a rookie and he was, the rookie was really talented. And so they stuck with the cheaper option or they're in cap trouble, but more times than not, I think of anything we've learned in the last two or three decades with the dolphins is that you cannot build a team through free agency. That's ever more than just an average, average football team. And right now this team has all these draft picks um, that they can bring in and develop. And I think it makes it hard to spend a lot in free agency because you just don't know what you're going to, you don't know how people are going to fall in the draft. You know, there's guys like as Isaiah Simmons, the guy from Clemson yes. that can play like any position on defense, ridiculously talented. Yes. Minka, but on steroids, literally. <laughs> well, yeah, but if you get, you get a guy like that, you're like, what if you, this is how the draft falls. You get the top two pass rushers in this draft. You get AJ Epineza and you get Simmons. And if you do that, then you really don't need to go spend a bunch of free agents dollars on a defensive end. Um, so Miami is just in a position where they really don't have to do it right now. It'll probably now that rollover makes it complicated, but it might make more sense for the dolphins to spend more of their free agency dollars in next year's free agency after they've went through this draft with all these picks. Cause although they have the two number ones in 2021 that we don't have all the extra picks right now, like all these extra seconds and thirds. Yeah. <laughs> Yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's no. Well, we may we may trade, but look, we we we're not going to have tradable players like we did last year. Like, yeah, we're, sure, our, that's true. Our our team's going to be a bunch of guys on their first year contracts that are young. That's going to be the majority of our football team is very young and talented. Um, that's going to be developing, and so even if we sign free agents, they're going to be in the first year of their deals. It's not going to make sense to trade them all off. Um, next year. So the only way we're going to have a pile of picks in the next year's draft is if we accumulate them in this year's draft trading back. So uh, I, I would think that makes it a little bit harder to be really active in free agency. Um, other than the, the reason I keep throwing the offensive line out there is because we just have no offensive linemen right now. And I don't think you want to go into 2020 with basically all rookies on your offensive line. That, that would be pretty risky. So I think if you get the, uh, linebackers in there, then uh, you're in pretty good, or not linebackers, the veteran offensive lineman in there next with the rookies. I think you can fill most of the other positions on the team in the draft. That's that's the point I'm making. All I would say at that point is that, Chad, I agree that we need to build through the draft, but the thing is that you, see, you, you keep saying that we have to wait for the draft to happen. But it, the thing is, is that all those premier free agents we're talking about, they're going to be signed before the draft starts. There's no way that those guys who are superstars coming onto their second contract or even perceived projected superstars, 
they're not going to be hanging around for the Dolphins to sign after the draft is over. The only thing that we're going to have after that is the leftovers that teams are going to say like, okay, so we got this guy, we can move on from this guy. But even then, it's not going to be that guy. Nobody's going to send a premier pass rusher packing just because they drafted his would-be replacement while he's still a star. Chad, what are you doing? Uh, Ron, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm doing stupid emojis in the, in the chat. Um, <laughs> you your screen blinks up when you do that? Yeah. I'm sorry, what happened? Your screen blinks when you do that. Oh, does it? Oh, nah. um, Maybe it doesn't blink to the audience. No, it's, it's good. It's, it's strategy. Um, yeah. I, I totally understand your point, Lewis. Um, I'm just making the point that you, if you're going to fill positions like that, you got to feel really good about the guy you're bringing in because it'd be very easy to bring in a guy that's decent, but you're passing on a guy that's going to be a pro bowler in the draft. And that, that's kind of the way I look at that is, is who, who are you going to get in the draft? Any other season, Lewis, what you would say would be making more sense. But right now we've got 14. That's if we don't trade back at all. We have 14 new players that we're going to fill in on this roster right now coming in this current draft. Well, less if we trade up. Unless we trade up, yeah. Unless we trade up. Not but, necessarily uh, for who you're thinking of. There's other reasons to, to trade what? up. To what? To no, what? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> I, if, if I was going to trade up for anybody, it would be to get up from 18 to something a little higher so we could get Isaiah Simmons because I sincerely doubt he's going to last that long. No, he's I, I think on steroids, to, there's no way he's going to last all the way to 18. I think you'd have to take him at five to, to get him. But um, if, if you want to get him, he's, he's going to go, I would say, in the top 10. Um, I really believe that he'll be a top 10 player. Uh, anyway, though, I, I think the point for me is what positions are you going to fill in free agency? Now, if you go get a corner, um, like if you're going to go get Byron Jones, that makes some sense because you want to feel like he can be our starting corner for the next four or five years on that contract you're giving him. But if you don't feel like you're bringing in a Pro Bowl level player in free agency, I don't see the need. The way this team is building right now is we, we don't need overpriced veterans that are, are average, not great. That's what we're trying to avoid. Is there anybody out there that you think would be a pro bowler? Or are you I convinced think, that none of them are? I, I, it's so hard to say right now without seeing who actually frees up. Because right now it's so speculative on you're not going to know until March. Um, and when, when March gets here, then you're going to see, because that's when that window passes, like the first week of March, where you other teams can start negotiating with free agents. And that's the window you know that, that those teams have basically not committed to working out a long-term deal with those players. Um, and so once I see that, I can tell you. Because obviously, like, Amari Cooper is a Pro Bowl-level player. Byron Jones is a Pro Bowl-level player. I would say Conklin's Pro Bowl-level. Sharif's Pro Bowl-level. Um, those guys, if they free up. And, then, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with um, with Trent Williams from the Redskins either. Because as far as I've heard, he's healthy. He just does not want to play for the Redskins at all. And they want some value out of him. But everybody in the league knows that he re- refuses to play for them, which takes away all their leverage. So if there's players like that that are, are in their mid to late 20s and I feel like they play positions where they could play four or five years, I'm, I'm okay with spending the free agent dollars. What, what I'm not okay with is going out, signing a 33-year-old corner or a 33-year-old defensive tackle who's been in like – like an Adama can sue right now would be a good example. I don't want to spend $12 million this year on Adama can sue who used to be an elite D tackle, but now is just more of a kind of a, in the middle sort of guy, you know, Nadamakinsu does not dominate football games anymore. 
but he'll be an available free agent. I wouldn't pay for those guys right now, not not before the draft, because I would rather have somebody like AJ Epineza, who's going to be five years on an affordable deal um, right now, versus put those money in the free agent guys. And those guys will, they'll be gone after the draft. But, you know, again, most teams only have six or seven picks in the draft. That's where we've been historically is we usually have like six or seven picks in the draft. And if you've got like six or seven holes, you don't want to go into the draft trying to fill all of them with that whole draft because you always inevitably have players that don't even make the team in the draft. But we're looking at 14 picks um, a lot of high ones. And so, I mean, you, I am anticipating getting like six or seven to eight starters in this draft. And I don't know what positions are going to be at until I see how the draft falls. That, that's why I'm viewing this if I'm the Dolphins. That's a lot of starters, man. I mean, the starters who are good or starters out of just necessity. That's what I should say. I would, I would anticipate good. Otherwise, Chris Greer and you got to wonder what Chris Greer and Brad Price is. This, I'm not talking about trying to turn a sixth round pick into a starter. I'm talking about having three first round picks, and we have like two or three second round picks, don't we? And two or three third round picks. It's, yeah, we it's, have two. We have two twos, three ones, and I, I don't I think recall three through that. Threes. Yeah, I mean, you can get good starter quality all the way to round five. Once you start getting into six or seven, those are pretty much undrafted free agents. You may find one here or there, but you're not going to. But right. rounds one through five, you can get starter quality. The thing is, the numbers say you won't get all starter quality. So I'm thinking it's more likely like five starters or so, you know, likely if the numbers say if we did a good job, we should get about five good quality starters. Hopefully in there is a star, you know, out of all these picks, three first round picks. Hope you draft one star. You know? Well, you're you've already you're already at seven picks if, after the first three rounds. And so if you can get starters just in the first three rounds, that's seven players. And historically, unless it's a real like bust. Third round Harris, players, Deion Jordan, right? Those are those are bad examples of busts. It, it those are exceptions, yeah. yeah. But if if are usually you don't know if the third round guy you're still anticipating him playing a third round pick, and so I'm just kind of pointing out that's seven right there, and if you have your fourth and your fifths and stuff in there too, so I I don't think it's unrealistic to on a team like ours, but we we it's not like we have an established playoff team full of Pro Bowl veterans here. We have a lot of open spots up for grabs. Right. That's what I was saying, though, is that they're starters because they're really good or they're starters because there's no one better than they are. Well, I don't think you ever really know with a draft pick until you're a few years in, um, like at least two or three seasons, um, kind of what you have, like in terms of how successful they're going to be at the pro level um, until you get a chance to develop them a little bit. So, um I'm, I'm just kind of like what I – and you can kind of term it progress stoppers. I don't want to pay progress stoppers right now until I see what the makeup of the team is after the draft. And unfortunately, free agency is open about a month you know, before the draft. And so you, you really only want to fill holes with guys in free agencies that you really feel like are part of the culture you're trying to put together, part of the system you really like, and they fit in really, really well, and you really like them longer term. Otherwise, I would rather pay the the stop guys, guys that you're only bringing in for a year or two because you, you have a hole and you don't have any other way to fill it. I, w- I would rather do that um, maybe like in May and June um, time of season and, and bring those one-year contracts in that time of year. 
You know what I think we're going to have to do is I think we're going to have to revisit this topic again someday, except what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to each prepare like our own little fake off season, just because we all seem to have this different vision of what the team is going to look like when the season actually starts or what we feel like it should look like. Let's say, let's say should, because not what we could, not what they will do. So, um, I don't know if we'll be able to get Ron back for that. That would be awesome if we could, because then we could like go over all three of them. But it feels it depends on when you do, you know, when you do the show. I'll have to like, yeah, I'll have to like, well, we can figure out. I think we can find a way to schedule it around there so we can make it work. But, um, so we've pretty much spent our time for for tonight. And it was a really good discussion and everything. I do want to come back to this because I'm going to write down my off-season plan and it'll show up again on Five Reasons eventually. But you, uh, Chad, and you, Ron, we, we, we seem to have very differing opinions on what the team should do on how they should handle it based on different scenarios. So maybe what we can do is we can actually come up with like, okay, so here's free agency. Here are the guys that I'm signing for various reasons, blah, 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 blah. Set up your own little mock draft in your head so that way you can like, okay, so these are the guys that I'm drafting and I'm looking for them based on who I signed in free agency or the other way around. So I think that would be a really interesting discussion to have. And hopefully we'll be getting a chance to do that. But in the meantime, I think we're going to go ahead and call it here. We basically touched everything we wanted to touch on unless... uh Gentlemen, is there any other? Is there anything else you guys wanted to bring up before we call it a quits here? I got nothing. Nope, I'm good. All righty then. So that'll be everything then for now. So Ron, thanks again for coming on with us. It's really been fun to have you. Hopefully, we have you on again real soon. And uh, as always, my co-host Chad Ronabom, great to have you on with us, man. So we're gonna go ahead and call it here. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll see you all next week for another episode of the Dolphins Brawl. Good night, folks. Well, we're